We were revisionists. What we revised was ourselves. Margaret Atwood. Hello and welcome to episode 101. This is my review of The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Now, I read this story back in July, so I have no idea why it's taken me so long to do a review on this podcast. Usually books that really impact me or that I really enjoy, I generally do a review and breakdown of why I felt that way on this podcast. But, I mean, I do know why I waited so long. I don't feel worthy enough to review this book. It's an incredible work of art. Um, And I don't feel sophisticated enough to give it the proper analysis, but I've been really thinking about it and I decided that part of this podcast is, you know, just me giving my opinions on things, um, you know, and I wanted to do a podcast on it. So why not? Even if it's not the most sophisticated analysis, it's not supposed to be a political or values based analysis either just purely what this book is about and how it was executed and how it impacted me. So I don't want to be sparring any political or uh, religious debates or anything like that. It's just going to be a breakdown of the novel. So let's jump into the meat of this week's episode. Number one, the book is very polarizing and I think that's a good thing. It's very clear what is wrong and what is right in this society, which is essential for a dystopia story. Um, Of course, the story is about the patriarchy, how it has taken control of the United States, and the women who go along with the patriarchy taking over. All of that is considered wrong. It's a story about women's reproductive rights. It's a story about how women are viewed in society, how women are viewed as simply the child bearers. And in my opinion, it's really essential for any dystopia to have a really strong theme like this because otherwise they are uninteresting. Number two, it's really the first dystopia for women, at least the first popular dystopia. I'm sure there were others before, but they just haven't, you know, risen to popularity as much. So I think we can really point to this collectively as the first dystopia for women, which is so important. I'd also like to note that I did graduate high school in 2014, and we did not read this book in my high school, but we did read um, George Orwell's Animal Farm and um, the other non-AP English class read George Orwell's 1984. My English class did not read that. Um, I also read Fahrenheit 451 in high school, but we never read this story by Margaret Atwood, and that was back in 2014. And that really shows you that as society, we still have not come very far if someone graduating in 2014 never even read this story in their high school English class. So for me, Once again, I'm not trying to get into a religious or political debate by saying um, these things, but it's just more about how eye-opening the story was for me as a woman. I mean, over the last few years, I have begun to understand how women have been manipulated for years by society, which is not something I think I understood or believed growing up. I mean, I don't think people want you to understand or believe that growing up unless you come from a very progressive area, and I did not. Um, And I think over the past few years, I've become more sure of my beliefs and more educated about things and all of this manipulation and such. But this book really took it up a few notches for me. It helped me understand this important fact that there is a difference between societal religion and spiritual religion. And what I mean by that is... I think there is this societal religion that utilizes religion and manipulates religion to get things done in society, 
without actually thinking of the spiritual implications of it. And I think this book is really important for women because it shows how there are some people in society that think the only value a woman has is to bear children. There are people that don't think that a woman doctor leading a team has value. They don't think a woman researching a life-changing cure has value. A woman writing a book that opens the eyes of millions of people has value. And of course, that's not to say that bearing a child isn't impactful because it is and it's fantastic for the people who are called to do that. And I think Margaret Atwood in this story acknowledges that. I think by the protagonist offered wanting to go back to her child and wanting to go back to her husband, I think that shows that she does want those kinds of things, but society has pushed her away from that desire and society has manipulated her into this new role. And I love how Margaret Atwood addresses all of this for women in such an eloquent way. It's really important. So my point in saying all of that is not to spar any sort of debate. It's just to say the meat of the novel is really impactful for women everywhere. Number three, the symbolism is so well thought out. Everything in the story means something. The main character is called Offered. You know, that obviously brings back imagery from the 1800s and offering up your daughter to a man. The commanders, the people in charge, the men, the red cloaks, how everyone wears a different color cloak to identify themselves. Very old, traditional, Puritan clothing. Um, the women who are called the Marthas, essentially the women who take care of the cooking and cleaning. Martha, that's a very old-fashioned, lowly name, you know, for a lowly job like cooking and cleaning. The symbolism of taking offered out to this quote-unquote club, you know, essentially you know what I'm getting at. I'm not going to say the word on this podcast, but that whole scene and how all of that was represented was very well thought out. Also, I looked this up online. I did not know this when I was reading the story, but the name of the story is actually an allusion to fairy tales like the Canterbury Tales, where the protagonist tells the story. Um, so that's why it's called The Handmaid's Tale, which I thought was really interesting. And then, of course, at baseline, this continual symbolism that nearly always what society wants for women is not always good for women. Um, and I think this is just... A very common theme that's always illustrated in dystopias, whether they are about women or men, um, and that is that, you know, the individual needs to have more power. The individual rises up against society, and the individual nearly never has the means to do so. And I think it's interesting because it was illustrated in the past a lot with other dystopias, but it wasn't centered around how it affected women. So... Once again, this whole point is just so eloquently illustrated throughout. I think that some of the lack of success of some modern day dystopias is because they aren't as well thought out as this one. So I just really appreciate all of the little details that went into it. It really kept it interesting for me. Number four, the protagonist offered, she's very likable. She's kind of edgy. She's not preachy. You know, she smoked cigarettes before this all went down. You know, she kind of had this fiery sex life, yet we can yet we can tell she's a good person. She cares about other people. She wants to go back to her baby and her husband. She really feels this pain and separation from, you know, being away from her baby. She wants that life for herself even, yet society has pushed her so far away from it. And that makes us root for her. She's also contrasted with Moira, this more free-spirited type individual 
Whereas Moira seems reckless yet admirable, we have more empathy for Offred because she's trying to go along with this. She's trying to survive and she's trying to fall in line. It's not her fault she got tempted by the commander just because she wants to exchange her body for some lotion for her dry hands. Like that is so sad and so pitiful. And I think it's very easy to empathize with Offred. Number five. The writing style is fantastic. Shorter sentence structure, I love it. I don't need huge long sentences that are just winding me up to get to the point. We could have gotten to the point three words ago. You know, it's very eloquent and well-crafted metaphors despite the shorter sentence style. Um, there are so many lines I love from the book. I'm just going to call out two right here because I called out one of my other favorite ones at the beginning of this episode. But here are some others. Waste not, want not. I am not being wasted. Why do I want? Very clever. And then whenever Offord is going with the commander, she describes her feelings like this. I feel like cotton candy, sugar and air. I thought that was super eloquent. The ending is also very open-ended, which I liked because the story was more metaphorical in nature. And I think it works for this kind of story. I don't think it works for a thriller, for a Colleen Hoover book. But because the story was very metaphorical, kind of open-ended, a lot... A lot left up for interpretation, but a lot not left up for interpretation, and that's exactly how the story ended. We kind of have an idea what happened, but do we know for sure? Not really. And I like that. I like that little bit of mystery at the end. So this is my take on The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Once again, this is not supposed to be any type of political analysis, just kind of what the story meant for me and how I viewed it as a woman in society. So let me know your thoughts if you've read this story. I have not watched the Netflix series. I think I might have to though, but I don't watch that much TV. So we'll see. Thanks for listening. As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying. And I will talk to you on our next road trip.